Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're in Joshua chapter 24 and looking at the final verses of this final chapter of the book of Joshua together. We're going to finish out the book in this session and make a couple of closing comments here. I'm going to start reading uh, from verse 26 and read through the end of the chapter. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be for a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, lest you deny your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his inheritance." And it came about after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in timnath Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, on the north of Mount Gaash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now they buried the bones of Joseph, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt at Shechem, in the piece of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of money, and they became the inheritance of Joseph's sons. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gibeah of Phinehas, his son, which was given him in the hill country of Ephraim. In these final verses, we see Joshua making a renewed covenant with the people of Israel, calling them to account for the commitment that they are making. In the last session, we talked about Joshua presenting a couple of options for the people of Israel for them to choose from who they would continue to serve and worship. There were really three options that we noted. They could continue to worship gods from Mesopotamia, which Abraham had worshiped before the Lord called him out of that country. They could worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land the Lord had just given them to live and set down and drive out the Amorites, or they could worship and serve the Lord. The people unanimously agree to serve the Lord for all that he's done for them. Joshua warns them that they will not be able to do this. He knows their propensity to uh, fall from grace, to sin against the Lord. Nevertheless, they determine that they will serve the Lord and commit to it. And in the verses that we read to begin, Joshua writes down the words of uh, this covenant ceremony uh, in a book, uh, the book of the law, and then takes a large stone and sets up this stone at Shechem under the oak tree, by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua says to all the people, this stone shall be a witness against us. Now notice 
these words, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. That's a very interesting thing to say about a stone. We don't typically think of stones as having the capacity to hear. But Joshua attributes to this inanimate object the ability to come to witness against the people of Israel if they fail to adhere to uh, the Lord and his word. I think this is more than simply just anthropomorphic language being assigned to this inanimate object, because Jesus will say something similar to the Pharisees during his time uh, when, when uh, the Pharisees say to him as he's entering into the city of Jerusalem and people um, in particular children are crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. The leaders of the Jews say, don't you know what these people are saying? Make them stop. And, and the, the reality behind that was the Pharisees knew that that chapter that they were quoting of the Psalms had direct connotations for the coming of the Messiah. Jesus says to the Pharisees, I tell you, if these are silent, the very stones will cry out. And I don't think that he's just using anthropomorphic language there. God can make the impossible possible through what he does. Jesus says even creation will cry out in testimony to witness to the reality that, that he was and is the Messiah, the, the Son of God the true king of Israel. And here Joshua does something somewhat similar in saying to the people of Israel, if you transgress the commands and law of God, this stone is your witness against you. You've said you're going to serve the Lord. Now continue to adhere to his word. Put away all of the other false gods. And then Joshua dismisses the people, each to his inheritance. This is uh, a little bit sentimental here at the end of the book after such a, an enormous task was given to Joshua at the beginning of this book to take this group of two million people, enter into a land that was already occupied and start a war with the inhabitants of that land. It was impossible from a human perspective. But in a period of about seven years, God made it possible. He did it. He brought them in. He gave them possession of the land. And now we're at the end. And Joshua is, is simply commissioning and saying to the people, continue to follow this miracle enacting God. He is the one true God. And you need to continue to adhere to his word and follow his law. So even in verse 28, such a small and simple verse, then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his inheritance, demonstrates the faithfulness of God, that he had done what he said he was going to do. He drove out the people of Canaan. He gave the people of Israel the land of Canaan as their inheritance, their possession, and now Joshua can send the people and say, it's time to go home. Just remember what you've committed to. Then in verses 29 through 33, we have in this short number of verses, 
three funerals taking place. In verses 29 through 31, we hear about the end of Joshua's life. And it came about after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun. Now listen to the title that's attributed to him. The servant of the Lord died. This was the question that we had at the beginning of our study. The question from Joshua chapter 1, when we heard about Moses, the servant of the Lord, did this. Moses, the servant of the Lord, did that. Would Joshua be able to walk in the same ways of Moses? Would he have this relationship with the Lord? Would he uh, earn the title that Moses had earned of being God's leader, God's follower, God's servant, and here, the author, this is the only place in the book of Joshua that this is given. The author assigns this title of honor to Joshua. He is the servant of the Lord. And throughout his lifetime, he had demonstrated faith and faithfulness to the Lord. Not perfectly, perhaps. There were times he could have done things differently. But the overall uh, trajectory of his life was one of faithfulness to God. That's an important lesson for us as believers in Christ today. As believers in Jesus Christ, we still have sin dwelling within us. We are not instantly perfected when we come to faith in Christ. And we struggle against that throughout our lifetimes. But the overall trajectory, the way that our life points, should illustrate a progressive sanctification that the Holy Spirit is making us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And looking back on our lives at the end, we should be able to see an overarching theme of faith in the Lord and faithfulness to his word. Verse 30, And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim on the north of Mount Gaash. Just as Joshua was promised this inheritance. Now he's given that territory and he's buried in that very territory. Then we have in verse 31 an uh, important attribution of just how influencing Joshua was on the people. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Joshua's legacy reaches beyond simply his lifetime. His commission to the people of Israel impacted them enough that that generation that remained during his lifetime were faithful to the Lord, partially at least because of Joshua's leadership. And even after his lifetime, the elders, the, the leaders of the people of Israel who knew Joshua continued to be faithful to the Lord. I think we have to say at least in part because of the leadership of Joshua. So Joshua is given the uh, title of the servant of the Lord and shown to have been faithful to God throughout his years. Then in verses 32 and 33, we have two additional funerals. One is a reburial. Verse 32, now they buried the bones of Joseph, 
which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt at Shechem to the piece of ground which Joshua had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of money, and they became the inheritance of Joseph's sons. Joseph made his descendants promise that they would not leave him in Egypt, but that they would bring his bones up out of the land and bury them back in the land of his fathers. And now his ancestors are faithful to that promise. They are fulfilling the promise that Joseph's sons made to him. This is another wonderful illustration of people following through with their words. Even from generation to generation, this was 400 years before the events of the book of Joshua took place, that they made this promise to Joseph, and now it's being fulfilled. If you make a promise as a believer in Jesus Christ, it is important to follow through on that promise because the God that we serve always keeps his promises. And finally, we come to verse 33. The final individual mentioned in the book of Joshua is not Joshua, it's the high priest. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gibeah of Phinehas, his son, which was given him in the hill country of Ephraim. Now, Eleazar doesn't have a huge position in the book of Joshua per se, but he is greatly involved in the distribution of the land. And as such, is really not only the, the leader of dividing, dividing the land up for the people of Israel, he's the spiritual leader of Israel as well, although Joshua occupies that role at times also. So the high priest is spoken of lastly. He dies and he's buried and what we have in the following verses are the beginning of the period of the judges. The Lord is faithful to his word. And we see throughout the book of Joshua, he desires us as his followers to be faithful as well, to demonstrate his character in the world around us. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.